I've always felt this urgency to tell different types of stories about natives because we need every kind we can because there's such a lack of real true stories that we need everything. We are live on the Muskogee Reservation and you are listening to the Muskogee Pod. I'm your host, Jason Salzman. We're so excited to be uh, rolling out our very first episode, joined by my co-host, the great Tara Branson-Thomas. She's the Secretary of the Nation and Commerce here at the Muskogee Nation. Tara, how are you doing today? I am doing just great. Did you wake up feeling podtastic? You know, I reflected on my drive-in this morning thinking about what we were going to talk about. I was a little nervous. You know, yeah. hanging out with you is always dangerous. Yeah, you never know what I'm going to say. <laughs> never know what I'm going to say. Exactly. Yeah, I might uh, I might slip up and uh, tell everybody about your uh, vast background in rodeo and everything like <laughs> exactly. that. And get you blushing over here. All right? Yeah. Yeah. No, we're, we're, we're so excited to do this. This has been a project uh, in the works for some time. I uh, want to give a shout-out to our on-the-board producer, Mr. Absolutely. Anthony Nieto. has done a great job uh, getting everything ready. Got in our studio, our pod cave, as we call it in here. Yeah, you're um, the pod father. Right? I'm the pod father, exactly. um, actually. And and uh, Tara is the pod mother. And <laughs> th- that would make you the pod grandson, maybe? Maybe something yeah, like that. Yeah, some, some, I'm on. way down the, the tr- family tree. I don't want to tell people you're younger than me. I don't want to. I don't want to admit that. So, we'll just say I'm the stepdad. Pod buds or something. I mean, like that. I feel like you've been at the nation long enough that you've you, everyone thanks, knows. Thanks. To okay. Yeah. 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 It's really, they can welcome. see. They can see the gray in my beard through the podcast. Exactly. Oh, goodness. I still try to pretend that I'm new here. That's really my strategy when people ask me questions. <laughs> I actually blame the nation on the gray in my beard. Me too. Yeah, Some yeah. gray up here. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get. I'm going to take that care of that this afternoon. Yeah. Well, just to give everybody a little bit of a background, as Tara said, I have been here quite a while at the Muskogee Nation. I came. Uh, you know, fresh out of college in 2005, my goodness, and started the television program, which for years uh, was Native News Today. I was the host and executive producer and really just created the show, uh, ran it outside of Muskogee Media. Uh, at the time, it was just Muskogee Creek Nation Communications Department, yeah. then it was Muskogee Media, and um, we did over 635 consecutive episodes for, for more than 13 years. I was very, very proud of that, and, and then I morphed into um, doing a little bit more marketing with the tourism department excited about that and and from then uh from that uh work over there came an opportunity to come back over here and and work with the executive branch and so i'm happy to be in my position now as press secretary and director of communications and tara um you know it's been a wild ride but i know yours your tenure has been a little bit shorter than mine but you've been with us for a little bit yeah i've been here about four and a half years um Almost, yeah, four and a half years. Yeah. Uh, I started in August of 2017 as uh, just a self-governance analyst. I Before that, I had been doing some self-gov work with tribes from across the country. So I came here uh, to bring some talent here and to help in that area. And I've kind of uh, moved through the ranks since then. I don't, I don't know what anyone was thinking, but there I am. <laughs> no, why not? <laughs> Do not be modest. She, she is a policy guru and wonder, a wonderful asset here. But you did some work with NCAI, too. Yeah, I um, so I graduated in 2010. I moved to D.C. where I thought all things policy happened because, you know, I was 22 and knew everything. Um, <laughs> and so I moved to D.C. And, and did policy work there right after uh, the Affordable Care Act passed. And awesome. that's kind of was my first uh, nerd time uh, in policy and worked really in policy with the Indian Health Service and the Department of the Interior until I came here and then yeah. uh, focused on some other areas when I got here and just kind of contri- continue to contribute and hopefully be helpful to folks. And originally right 
from here right on the yeah, Muskogee Reservation, Begs America. America. Yeah, you yeah. know it. All right, shout out demons. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm technically a Trojan. You know, that's oh, my that's my story. Uh, no, yeah. I went to Jinx. Oh, I was I a lifer at Jinx. Okay. Yeah, my dad. Um, my dad actually still works there, and we transferred every year. So oh, wow. long drives have been part of my life for. You, you were a legacy. Right? <laughs> I was. Like a, our very own second chief. Exactly. Bill Beaver is a legacy over <laughs> my, there. He used to work with my dad. Really? That's, yeah. He and, wow. uh, and, it's, and the twins. When he's on the podcast, we'll discover yeah, that. Yeah, let's talk And about we'll it. really delve into that. That's going to sure. be awesome. Well, folks, we're the reason we're so excited about to roll out the Muskogee pod is that we've got some terrific guests lined up already we've got some wonderful content coming for you really with this show we wanted to kind of explore a little bit of a behind the curtain look at muskogee nation um just let it be driven by our guests and give you sort of an insight into the lives of the people that you may have heard of or seen doing wonderful things in and around the nation for the nation a part of the nation, associated or working with the nation. This will give you a chance to sort of have a, you know, just a laid back conversation with them. And kind of that's what we were aiming for was to have that um, just really enjoyable and entertaining content, but also useful. And and I think information that, that people can take away and, and say that this is just another part of us being able to connect with the Muskogee Nation is being a part of this podcast. And look, I know podcasting is very popular right now. We're just glad to jump on the train and yeah. give you another option. I know people out there, they have their favorites. Tara, what's your favorites? Do you My have any favorite, favorite podcasts? Podcast? Yeah. I listen to a lot of women podcasts. That's awesome. So I do a lot. Well, it's Women's HBR. History Month. It's Women's History Month, so I've been committed uh, so it's usually tips and tricks, and then you know you have to listen to the uh, the crime yeah. the crime series oh, every yeah. once in a while when you're baking. You gotta have a little something Full to listen to there. Body <laughs> <chills>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just uh, we're we're cross promoting here today. Exactly. So. Well, and yeah, and, and like I said, me and Kyle Kyle Lee, our uh, director of uh, tourism here at Muskogee Nation, he's been an integral part in this podcast and getting us going too as well we even call him kind of an executive producer that's his little fancy title for this podcast so. he's really the cat herder let's be serious he's the cat herder. yeah that's exactly right you're right <laughs> <laughs> but but kyle uh, and i talk about podcasts all the time absolutely and, and uh, he always gives me this you know suggestions and everything and i'll always be eternally grateful to kyle for getting me uh, addicted to ted lasso so uh, whenever he tells me about a show or, you fell or, for it i thought oh, i did i totally i got believe in my office now I'm I'm totally gone. So it's been awesome. But um, we talk about different podcasts and things like that, too. And um, uh, Pardon My Take was one that he always threw at me. And, and I always listen to it now, too. And so it's been neat to, to be able to kind of just get into the whole podcasting craze. And now, you know, we're hosting one. And we hope to take what we know and love about them and make ours very viable, entertaining, and, and be must-listen content. So... Uh, we are going to be available on all of the outlets where you can find any podcasting. Uh, Anthony, help me out here. Apple. Yeah, uh, you're going to be on Apple, Spotify, all of those, man. I feel so official, like a referee whistle. You are. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man, that's awesome. So we, um, you know, uh, there's things that where we disseminate information on the nation. So this won't be your typical, like, here's your information that you need for yeah, this, is not this program. No, absolutely not. It's a conversation. It's a, um, a delve into exactly what's happening and, and what we're, what we're doing and who we're talking to and 
who's making uh, news and who's, uh, you know, causing developments and ripples in the water, if you will, around the Muskogee Reservation. So that, that's kind of why I think it's, it's going to be very exciting for folks. And it'll be a little bit of a difference, which is always good. Yeah, we have a lot of a lot of things to be proud of that go beyond our government, right? I think this is really a celebration of people and how people contribute to our community and to our culture and to our history. And so um, I think it's an excellent opportunity. Uh, we'll give you updates when we can, but really it's about what people are doing in their everyday lives. That, and I'm glad we mentioned Women's History Month because um, we celebrate in a, in a unique way um, with, with, uh, with what we're doing in this department and everything like that. When I say this department, I mean here in the executive office and Terry, you're certainly um, up to your neck and things over at Commerce and everything like that. But what we would like to do and we're going to do during Women's History Month is just highlight a different, I'm so um, glad. a yeah. wonderful woman that's making sort of waves. But like at the same time, it's like all of our Muskogee, like how do you just highlight one or two? You know, it's like, and, and we had talked about that and, 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 but it's nice to, show whenever there's um you know grand uh, things that happen in someone's life or that they make big headlines or whatever that's great but i, I just think the the beauty the vitality and the strength and the the leadership of our muskogee <coughs> muskogee women i'll just say it right now tara brinson thomas is on the cabinet and this administration has more women, women. on its cabinet yep. than at any time in muskogee history so it's a good time to be a muskogee woman it's especially a good month to be a Muskogee woman. Yeah, and there have been so many before us, you know, maybe uh, that have kind of taken on the responsibility of the only woman yeah. you know, on cabinet at times. And so uh, right. I was thankful to, to get to meet some of those folks before I came into this role, and uh, they played a pivotal role uh, here at the nation in our policy development and our activism. And, and I'll be honest, I mean, we all know who gets things moving around here. That's you right. Know? That's right. Got to gotta hold the fort down. Keepers of the nation. <laughs> the keepers of our traditions. And we're a matrilineal society. Exactly. You know, um, it, it goes on and on and on about how the Muskogee Nation uh, values and, and appreciates the, the women uh, in our culture. Um, they play an integral role. Um, and now they play an integral role in governmental leadership, uh, which is awesome to see. Um, we've had great instances before. You know, I always think about Shelly Crow. What a mm -hmm. trailblazer as the first second chief, really the first executive uh, officer uh, that the nation's ever had since, really, too. Yeah. Uh, we'll be seeing another one soon. But, I mean, uh, you know, for Shelly to be that sort of trailblazer and that She's, I kind of always say Shelly's our woman man killer. You know what I mean? Um, but uh, Shelly Crow, uh, the late Shelly Crow, um, uh, she was uh, second chief of the nation, the first one ever. And then, you know, you have, look at the National Council. And say, even know? today, the National Council, uh, yeah. this is the most women I've seen on it in, right. my, in my memory. Sure. I know there are lots of things that happened before me, but mm -hmm. um, that was one thing I was really excited to see uh, during the inauguration this year, inaugural activities there. So many women, and, and women who have... Uh, Lots of different experiences, right. really, when right. you think about it. We've got nurses, we've got formal federal employees, yep. and um, it's just an exciting time. We've got women in the light horse police force. Yeah. You know, all, all over the nation, you can go in. We've got women in the attorney general's office fighting on the front lines of McGirt every day every out, out day. in the field, too. Um, it's just a wonderful thing to see, and, and like I said— um, we're not only seeing those national council representatives, we're seeing a lot of national council hopefuls. We're seeing a lot of women getting involved in elections and, and I want them being to run part of the here process. in the state. I yeah. mean, national council is important too, yeah. but if you want to run for your local board, give me a call. Let's Come on, talk about let's it. Let's talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> we want our, we want Muskogee we want representation exactly. in the Oklahoma legislature. We need it. We need a voice there. 
Um, if they're not going to listen to us, maybe they'll listen to one of their own that just so happens to be a citizen. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's great to, to have that. We push for that. We're we're part of voting uh, campaigns right now and, and, and getting a lot of people out because this is a very important time right now uh, in Oklahoma as far as coming up. Um, we got primaries coming up maybe as important as we've ever had when it yeah. comes to tribal nations there's in Oklahoma. There's a lot Oklahoma. going on. There's a lot going on. And, lots and of so movements here anyway. Lots of movements here, um, lots of things to keep an eye on, and, and so it's so, so important. But I, I tell you what, um, to get away from that you know, seriousness for just a moment and, and get ready to have a lot of fun, uh, we know that there's so many uh, people out there that listen um, – that are going to be listening to us that watch uh, television and are invigorated by what's on TV and the, the increase uh, increasing Native American content, um, things like that, representation out there. And what we've seen is an incredible comet go across the sky in FX's reservation dogs from yeah. Muskogee and Seminole uh, filmmaker Sterling Harjo. And um, we are going to have Sterling on to this very first episode, so he'll be joining us here in just a moment. But, Tara, I know that you know this as well. Um, it's been incredible to see um, the, the reception to this series and the popularity that's, you know, demanded that it have more seasons. Absolutely. And, and you know, I, I think Sterling represents an something that we can all aspire to, right? Mm -hmm. Even if you're uh, just carrying around your phone doing doing things, uh, you can tell a story about who you are and, and who your community is and, and how that's represented in your own uh, vision. And so he's doing it on a big stage, but, uh, you know, our, our communities have been telling stories for a long time, so we just got to figure out what works best for you and, and participate. And, and it was ex it's exciting to have the opportunity to talk to Sterling. Very exciting. So let's not waste any more time. we got him on the line now, and uh, we'll have our first guest ever. Uh, the Muskogee Pod. And we're so pleased to have Sterling Harjo with us on this initial first episode ever, the Muskogee Pod. Sterling, thank you so much for taking time to be me and, uh, with me and Tara today and all the great folks on the Muskogee Reservation. Yes, thanks for having me. Uh, man, I got to say, the first thing, you've been on so many podcasts, you've been on so many shows, you've been on so many things where you've been interviewed. Um, yeah. But we, we got to get this out of the way first off and, and foremost. How Chabak do you get when people call you Sterling with a G? <laughs> man, I hear, I hear it a lot. <clears throat> okay. uh, I was listening to Mark Marin and almost on Tiger Belly the other day, which I've been on both of their podcasts. And Bobby Lee was talking about how I was one of he and Kalila's best friends, and the whole time he was saying Sterling. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, 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 now that we've got that out of the way, I, I think we can yeah. proceed. But obviously, a very exciting time for you, for your crew, yeah. for everybody uh, involved as we get ready to uh, get cracking on season two filming of Reservation Dogs on the yes. FX network. And I know you're very busy right now. Sterling, just talk a little bit about how things are going and how excited you are for season two. Yeah, things are going good. I mean, it's crazy. You know, it feels like I, I feels like I didn't even have a break. Um, <laughs> it just feels like we're rolling right into it, which we kind of are. And I'm still going to, you know, award shows for season one. Um, like I go to the Spirit Awards this weekend. Um, 
and yeah it's crazy man i mean like i'm excited and we are you know it's almost go time but we're in prep right now we're doing location scouting um there's just so many moving parts to kind of keep track of um i got covid a couple weeks ago so it was like Mm -hmm. i was down for 10 days which kind of disrupted some stuff but luckily we do everything most of the things from zoom so um yeah, man. You know, like, and then and then I'm focused on writing as well. So it's just constantly kind of revising and rewriting uh, scripts and getting things ready to go for sh- for the shooting. Yeah, and we we heard Indian Country collectively gasp when you said you got COVID. So I'm glad you're <laughs> through it and everything's good. Yeah, good. So no, I, you know, one of your one of the things that you and I had, had personally talked about amongst each other before we really got going with with reservation dogs and we knew it was going to happen and everything like that. But one of the things that we had talked about before uh, just amongst ourselves was we know that native humor and the things that you were going to cover and the content and the things that you were going to be exploring in this series would play well to the native community. What we wondered and what was the great unknown was how it was going to play to the non-native community. How incredibly just psyched are you to see that it played well and they want more of it? I don't know. Like I, 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 I knew that people would. Um, I always had a feeling that they would, if they gave it a chance, and if we, and if we were given the opportunity to really do it right, to to show our humor right. Um, because I think that native humor is very sophisticated, and and I think that it, it also um, demands a little work from the audience, and I think that uh, you know. If, if given the opportunity, I always thought, you know, this would translate. And so it was really exciting to see that happen. And, you know, uh, I didn't want to say I told you so, but I always, I did feel that way. It was like, <laughs> I had been kind of talking about this since I started uh, in film many years ago about how, you know, and also the 1491s. And, you know, there was a lot of years, especially with the 1491s, where we, you know, really like, honed in the the craft of native humor and like by trial and error Uh saw how our humor could translate and and figured out ways to make it translate better um and that was really helpful yeah absolutely um the the humor in the show is really apparent and i think we all laugh at it because we kind of know the joke I'm, i'm curious as you've gone around to award shows and interacted with others is there a great story that we need to know about teaching others kind of, uh, I know the, the one that I always get is the owl question, um, which is, which is always fun to explain to others, but is there, is there one that you uh, want to right. share with us that would just make everyone laugh? I mean, you know, I get the owl question too, but like <laughs> for the most part, everyone, I think like the, the way that, <clears throat> you know, the Dallas's character spirit, like mm-hmm. the, and William Knifeman, the reason that character exists, I think, is to bring the non-native audience into our humor. And it kind of is a bridge. And so I, I, it's no surprise to me that I hear a lot of, you know, I left my favorite character. The guy's so amazing. <laughs> you know, the spirit is so funny. Because I think that kind of like, um, up until that, up until you see him, we just sort of drop the audience into the show. Uh-huh. You know, there's a heist, there's all this stuff going on. But as soon as they see him in a crazy way, it's something familiar to them. Absolutely. It's all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's a native that I I've seen before. It's a, it's a native from <laughs> right. the 
the, the it's a native from the uh you know the 1800s like i can get i you know it's something they recognize yeah and so all of a sudden they sort of gain footing and feel a little stable in this world that has been very unfamiliar to them i think so far and then they get hit with the fact that william knifeman is nothing like they would ever imagine he wasn't a great warrior he died at a little bighorn by his horse fall, falling, you know, in a gopher hole. And I think that that, I don't know, that really takes people by surprise. And I think that it, it helps them ease into our world. Absolutely. I think, you know, and it is a familiar character and there are lots of familiar places uh, if you're from Oklahoma or from this area, if you're a citizen mm-hmm. and you've spent any time here, there are lots of uh, familiar geography. And um, I know that Res Dogs and um, Killers of the Flower Moon and other opportunities are coming to the Oklahoma and and taking advantage of recent um, government, um, you mm-hmm. know, uh, tax credits and and getting support from from local folks. And I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about what it was like filming here in Oklahoma and and ultimately why it made the most sense to do it here um, in a really authentic way. Yeah, I mean, you know, there was a question early on um, because a lot of people, uh, a lot of companies shoot in New Mexico because, Mm. you know, New Mexico has the infrastructure for shooting a TV show. They just have sound stages and um, lots of crew. And, you know, I... I knew though that, and, and so there was a question where we were going to shoot there. And I was like, well, I don't want to do it if I shoot there because <laughs> it's a different story. It's a different story because, you know, when you're shooting a native story, the land in which you shoot it upon is the most important. And so I wanted to shoot it here. Um, and I told them that. And I took a lot of photos of Mulgi and Okima and Holdenville and different surrounding areas, Ufala. Um, and I kind of gave them the spiel about, you know, how it's the most important thing and that I would change things if we, did it any other way and they agreed and they were excited. They were like, cool. You know, that's all it took was me to really kind of explain why. Um, and you know, I've been shooting here my whole career, so I knew it was going to be a good time and everyone was so cool and welcoming. And, um, I don't know. It's just like everyone, you know, the local crew here was excited. Everyone was so excited just to be a part of it, you know? Um, and, and, you know, uh, I think the neighbor, the neighborhood people didn't know exactly what we were doing at first, but you know, I've heard that, uh, my brother's a locations guy. So like, I, I've heard that, um, you know, they're all pumped because they love the first season. So. Yeah. When, when I've been around with the, the scout crews and, and location yeah. crews and got to know them real well. And, yeah. Um, really taking them to spots that I, you know, know that are, are right. would play well in the initial stages of that. But but now that we get into it, now we're all familiar with one another. We're going back to these places, and you see these people that have already seen you come in going, all right, it's time for season two. There's this excitement, right. this familiarity. It's great to see. And, you know, that leads me into talking about the Muscogee Nation, not just the nation itself, but the Muscogee Nation of people and their excitement um, to be – along for this journey and this ride with you. And Sterling, when we talk about something like this, we talk about, you know, like you said, you're on that award show circuit. You were able to uh, break a glass ceiling by, you know, being on the Emmys with native representation. 
um, with Res Dogs getting a Golden Globe nomination, Spirit Awards, as you talked about, uh, on and on and on. But when you talk about that kind of that, that ride you're on and going to these premieres and the big premiere out in, in Hollywood and then you got a premiere at Circle Cinema Course, but we were able to host uh, a big premiere for, it just felt like for our community at the River yeah. Spirit Resort Casino um, at the Cove there. Um, yeah. Talk a little <clears throat> bit about that night. I, I just felt, I've never felt such just immense pride um, yeah. in everybody coming together for that night. Oh, and man, I, I wonder if so you felt similar. it too. Yeah. Yeah, I felt so similar because everyone was so excited to be there. Um, it had a lot to do too with like, you know, COVID had kind of been loosening up for the time being. Um, I think everyone was just really pumped to be a part of something. And then they all loved the show. Um, I had family there, you know, it was like a mixing of a lot of worlds and the actors were there. Um, yeah, it was so exciting just to be a part of that. And like, it's something that I don't think I'll ever get again quite like that. I mean, we can, you know, we'll do it again, but I mean, like it was such a, it was before we knew what the show was going to do, you know? And it was kind of like, before it gets released into the world, this is ours, you know? And it was actually my first sort of look into how audiences would respond to it. Granted, it was, uh, you know, mostly Muskogee native audience. Friendly but, crowd. <laughs> right, right, right. But like, you know, it, it was still cool to see where people laugh and where people react and all of that. You know, it's really exciting. Yeah, I think uh, the most inspiring part about that night, in addition to just hearing, you know, your heartfelt uh, remarks and, and being present there, was talking about kind of the next generation and your commitment to the next generation. Right. And, you know, the nation um, took... Uh, that opportunity to announce a new uh, scholarship through our foundation uh, with your name attached and and others have uh, other corporate sponsorships have come in since then. And we, we really appreciate that opportunity. And I think one thing that I've been exploring uh, with the team here is how do people get into the film industry? You know, how does it work and, and how do you bring up that next generation? Uh, And can you talk a little bit about your commitment to that and how you've been engaged? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, there's a bit of with the film industry. I feel like there's a bit of um, not giving up. I mean, if I would have given up the first time I didn't get something, I wouldn't be doing this. <laughs> if I would have given up the third, fourth, fifth time I didn't get something, I wouldn't be doing this. Um, I never stopped, and you know, and I never took anything personal, and I just kept moving forward, and. There's a so so a person has to have that drive. Mm. Like you just have to make up your mind that this is what you want to do. Um, and then outside of that, you have equipment in your pocket right now that you can tell a story with. Um, so there's that. Then there's the educational side, which I think is really important. And you can get your education through school, or you can get your education on your computer, or read books. It doesn't matter how you get it, but you, there should be some education on how to tell a story with a camera because it's not as simple. You know, I feel like we're really used to TikTok and YouTube, and it's not as simple as just pointing a camera at something. It's also about telling a story with that camera. And there's certain ways and things that we don't, as normal citizens, think about. Uh, but as a filmmaker, I think about it, and I and I. And, I, and I've analyzed it forever, and I'm always trying to get better at it. 
And I think there's a level of education that, you know, if people are serious about it, you should do, you know, like, I mean, there's a book that I wrote coming up and I always recommend it and I read it every few years, but it's uh, written by uh, Sidney Lumet and it's called Making Movies. And, you know, some of it doesn't apply because they're shooting on 35 millimeter film then we're now shooting on you know video cameras um but you know there's so much to it and and you know with anything you you take it you read it and then you digest it take what you want leave what you don't and but it is a really good back to basics like how to make a movie like talking about like how to shoot things and, and all of that there's another book called save the cat which is a good book for writing um, I don't necessarily think you have to read the whole book. You can, but <laughs> there is a section that is, that is the save the cat beat sheet. And it uh-huh. breaks down what almost every story you've seen on TV or movies, it breaks down kind of the beats or the moments in each of those stories. And it's a really good guide to follow when writing a story. It's a really good guide to follow. And it's just a very basic guide to, to what can where 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 you can take your story and 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 it's like you know you don't always have to fit that mold but this way has worked a lot of times throughout history so it's a, it's just a good guide to start with yeah can you talk for just a minute about um, the team that you work with because I know obviously you come at this from a perspective of writing and shooting and constructing uh, probably the most visible <clears throat> pieces of uh, the narrative depending on the medium. Um, but I know, you know, in particular, like Res Dogs, the 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 music was as crit- as important. And so, can you talk a little bit about right. how your team and how you work through um, those opportunities? Yeah, I mean, you know, when I can, I hire native um, artists. Um, we're kind of growing, and I think we're building those, um, you know, building the the database of like people that work in the in the industry. And, you know, hopefully in 10 years, we're going to have a lot of native production designers and, and composers and cinematographers. And so it's all of what we're doing at Res Dogs is like giving people experience and seeing how different departments are run. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, you know, uh, I wanted to work with Mato, who is the, um, who's a Lakota kid from, uh, I believe he's from Pine Ridge and he, you know, did this and he was a, a multi-talented, multi-instrumentalist uh, rapper, hip hop um, musician. And there was something about his music. I had been hearing it for the year, for a couple of years before we made Res Dogs, but there's something about his music to me that like felt like it held the spirit of Res Dogs. And he's so talented. And I just, you know, I just asked him if he would do the music and he was totally down. And, um, so he's, he's doing season two as well. And he just, you know, he's such a talented young guy. I mean, like, awesome. you know, not many composers his age are doing the music for TV shows, you know? Um, it's a pretty amazing thing what he's doing. Yeah. <clears throat> that kind of reminds me of what you said just a moment ago about how you never gave up. You just plugged away, plugged away, plugged away and, right. um, did the work. Somebody would see it when it was time to see it. Um, there would be a break eventually if you just didn't give up. And 
I think about other people that you've included um, in the first season. You know, you talk about Sten Jotty, uh, and you talk yeah. about Little Mike and Funny Bone, uh, or to right. collectively Mike Bone. Uh, but those guys right. have been in the business of self promotion for years <clears throat> and years oh, and yeah. years, and uh, and now they finally get a shot. Um, and ironically, um, it's in a native production about native people, which is so cool, right. but also to a global audience. I mean, that had to thrill you to be able to see the parallels in your journey and theirs and then making it come to life. For sure. I mean, you know, in Indian country, there's so many people that are similar to all those guys that you mentioned. And, you know, people are just needing opportunity. That's all it is. I was just needing an opportunity. Luckily, I'm friends with Taika Waititi. He helped make it happen at FX. Um, and I'm only doing that for people as well, whether it's Stan or the Bone Brothers. You know, it's like <laughs> they've all been grinding it out. Yeah. And I needed rappers in the show because that represents part of who we are. And instead of, like, having someone play dress up and act like a rapper, um, I cast rappers in the show, you know, so it would be authentic. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it was just cool to see everybody step up and just see the talent that's out here, you know. And, and uh, a lot of people don't know about our part of the world, and it's cool to share it. And I talked with you in November. We, we ran into each other at, at Miss USA, and um, we were talking about it was coming off October, and we were talking about how cool it was to see people around the country um, doing Reservation Dogs characters for their Halloween costumes. Oh man, and crazy. <laughs> wasn't that the coolest thing? I mean, I yeah. to me, that was when I was like, that yeah. was like the aha moment of how big this actually got. I know that I was excited, right. and it was on when the it hit and me was when I saw like the the costumes from the show. It's awesome, it blew me away. But then when I saw a young girl dress up as Paulina Alexis, the actress who plays Willie Jack, they dressed up as her at the Emmy in a dress just like her that really floored me because it's not only are they dressing like characters now they have heroes that are real people you know like she's dressing up as her hero who is a a real human being who stepped up and is an actor you know um yeah that's really cool it's funny because i was watching um ghostbusters afterlife with my son last night and um you know it's supposed to take place in oklahoma i think it was shot in canada but you briefly see uh, Paulina, and this is before Res Dogs happened, mm-hmm. and you briefly see Paulina. She was cast as kind of a, um, one of the kid's friends, and um, it's really funny to just see her and hear her voice, and you know, that she was talking and stuff in like, kind of a crowded scene. Mm-hmm. Um, really funny to see her and just think of what happened you know, since then. Full, full circle. And um, yep. I, I enjoyed that one, too. Watched it just a few weeks ago. It's awesome. Um, as an 80s kid, anything Ghostbusters you're going after. So, right. Um, one of the coolest things, too, I, I think for me personally and for all of us around the Muskogee Reservation is that FX doesn't just want more reservation dogs. It wants more Sterling Harjo. Can you talk right. about your agreement with them and the fact that they want to see more from you and and how you're like, oh, dang, now i got a lot more work on my plate. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean – you know, I do and I don't because, like, I've been doing this for so long that I've had many projects going at once. Already, I'm already slammed and, like, in over my head. And I also have so many projects that are ready to develop. Um, 
So basically, in their deal that they gave me, they're saying, we want you to, we want you to exclusively work with us. All of your projects that you have that you want to develop, bring them to us, and we want to work with you. It doesn't mean I'll get all of those shows, but they're going to pay me to bring them to them. So it's really exciting. The most exciting part is I get to, you know, part of it is like getting to bring uh, my friends along. So my friends have projects that I like, and I think that maybe FX would do. I can be an executive producer on those projects and take them into FX. Oh, and tell them that that's what I'd like to do. And then FX can decide if they want to do it or not. FX can decide if they want to do it or not. And that's really exciting. That is exciting, man. You're, you're the godfather. I'm the podfather. That's how this works. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, man. I, and, no, man. I've been, you, I've been podcasting for a while. Oh, yeah. You, yeah you're know. the podfather. My <laughs> I'm, I'm the pod. I'm the pod neff. How about that? Pod neff. That's right. Um, so you're not just going to be, I mean, you're, you'll still probably uh, dabble in film, I'm guessing, uh, see some features from you still. In your yeah. Film? I mean, with, so, so with my deal, they allow me to sh- do any feature that I want anywhere. So I'm not, it's not a deal for feature films. So it's just television. So I still will be making feature films. Fantastic. Fantastic. I know um, I was talking to, to everyone before we started, um, uh, you know, talking about your films and how they just sort of, uh, you know, progressed and, and, you know, there was this kind of living pr- uh, progression of everything. And um, I had talked to you about maybe a, like a year and a half, maybe, I don't even know, I can't remember the exact time, but um, talking to you about uh, your films and kind of what was next at that time, you were like, I got something on my plate and it's, you, you were excited. You were, you told me you're like, it's, it's yeah. kind of dark. You know what I mean? I like that. It's oh, dark. Yeah, yeah. And, and right. what would eventually become Miko, which I think has probably right. been your most visible and, and most successful film to date. But right. um, that was neat to kind of get the, the, the pre curtain look a little bit and right. see it actually come to fruition. And not only with right. that story, uh, you know, but, but your other stories really, staying in that, that story arc of, you know, this is actually the native condition, whether it's funny, right. whether it's dark, whether it's sad, this is real folks. And I think, yeah. you know, from the get go, you're, that's what, that was, that was your mission. You know, your, your famous yeah, quote is it it's not up to Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. It had because like, I think that a lot of times people that are underrepresented mistake good representation with just positive flowery stories and that's not storytelling that is a pr campaign mm-hmm. um that is you're selling an image that isn't necessarily all true and i'm more interested in the real stories when we sat around when our elders tell stories when we sit around talking and telling stories in the kitchen or whatever we don't just tell the rated g sweet version of our stories we tell dark stories we tell scary stories we tell uplifting stories we tell funny stories and that's what i'm interested in i'm interested in all of that because i think and reservation dogs is a good example i think that when you have when you tell the full story and that's the darkness the light the beauty the humor all of that that's what makes us human and when you don't, when you're trying to just tell the positive side, that, that, that I can't relate to. And that kid sitting in 
you know, uh, Okima or, you know, uh, Wetumpka or whatever, watching that show or watching that documentary or whatever, they're going to not relate to it either. And when you don't relate to what's being shown and, the, and, and that's dangerous. I think that when, when, when kids watch Reservation Dogs, they can relate to that. And then they feel not alone. And then they feel like there's people out there that are like them. And that's healing. And that's, that's positive in the end. But we can't lie. We got to mm-hmm. talk about the hard stuff as well. Um, and, you know, I, I, some filmmakers, especially white filmmakers, have the luxury of doing one type of thing like Wes Anderson or something, you know, you like all of those films are kind you can all, you can watch them all back to back and it feels similar. They're great, but like, it's the same sort of thing. Um, you know, and there's people that break that rule. But for me, I've always felt this urgency to tell different types of stories about natives because we need every kind we can, because there's such a lack of real true stories that we need everything. And that's why I make Miko. That's why I do documentaries. That's why I do Four Sheets to the Wind. That's why I do Barking Water. That's why I do Reservation Dogs. And I keep constantly trying to tell different stories, just as if I'm sitting around the kitchen with my aunt, grandma, uncles, and we're all telling stories. It's like that. And that's what I strive for, is to like try to capture those stories that they told me growing up. Because at a certain point, I used to absorb them. And I used to make them retell me these stories all the time. And even my white grandma on my dad's side, like I, she was a great storyteller from Sasako as well. And I would just suck up all of their stories. And I just absorbed them. And, you know, whenever you're talking about my Creek and Seminole family, it was like, you know, we're talking about our superstitions. We're talking about everything. <laughs> and I just absorb them and I always would tell them I would always tell every anyone any of them I would say y'all need to write these down you know y'all need to write these down well now they're all gone all of them are gone now and at a certain point I realized that I was the only one that could write them down because I was the one that saw their worth and how they could be shared with other people um they were just telling these great stories but I was the one that held on to them made them tell me them over and over and wanted to share them with people. So at a certain point, I realized that it was my job to share these stories and to capture how they spoke and how they told those stories. And that's what I continue to do. That's, that's really great, I think. Um, and it really ties into the discussion we had earlier about how important it was to film in Oklahoma. There are so yeah. many parts of um, you know our history and our community and our families uh, that are tied both to place and to experience, right? And so uh, right. if you're not sharing those stories and people can't laugh across, you know, multi-generations it's or, or experience those across multi-generations, it's really difficult. And uh, right. I I, uh, I personally have lost both my maternal grand or my maternal and paternal grandmother uh, in the last couple yeah. of years. And that's really tough when you can't, um, yeah. when you're asking people, do you remember or how did it go? And um, so it's great that there's someone there to record those and, and to share them right. with others. And, and again, kind of bring this, um, uh, our community together. You know, we have citizens who live across the world. And so while they might not have been at the table, they, they experience it through your vision and your, right. um, your family. So I, I really appreciate that and, and know that um, others do and look for those opportunities to connect. Um, even if they are not a, a tribal citizens, they have connections to Oklahoma and, 
and experience right. those in different ways. And it's really valuable. I think, um, and one, human, human yeah, experiences too. Yeah. exactly, exactly. And, and we laugh about those, I think in our community, because that's kind of how, uh, we are resilient. We've and had to, exactly. Right. We've had to laugh. You know? Exactly. Yeah. And, right. and I think that goes back even again, you know, to the part about learning resiliency through those stories, people just kept yeah. trying, you know, yeah. and, and really stayed focused on what the, the final end goal was and, and, and didn't depart, uh, from that vision in the long run. Um, I had one question right. that's not related to res dogs, but I, okay. I'm curious um, what you're what you're doing in your free time if you have any free time. I mean, I know it's I busy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I it try sounds like to, you're watching Ghostbusters, which I support. Right, watching Ghostbusters <laughs> with my kid. You know, between um, you know writing, I'm just like buried in writing right now. I'm hoping after this shoot, I'll be free because I have a lot of projects that I'm trying to finish writing. And then in my spare time, I'm trying to hang out with my kids and my girlfriend and try to, like, see family when I can. And, you know, I mean, I didn't even get to hunt this year. Like, I love hunting. And I didn't even get to go this year because I was so just busy. Um, I, don't, I don't even get to read that much anymore because I'm writing constantly. So, like, all of my free time is writing. And I barely get to watch shows. That was the only good thing about COVID is I was on the couch. Me and my girlfriend were on the couch watching because <laughs> she got it too. And we were just watching shows. What, what shows? What shows? Show. I loved Yellow Jacket. Okay. That was an awesome okay. show. Cool. It was like, it's like uh, that movie Alive where the, um, the uh, Ecuadorian soccer like, team. Uh, yeah, the soccer team that crashes and mm -hmm. they end up eating each other. It's kind of mm -hmm. like that, but if you mix that with Lord of the Flies and it's this girl's soccer team and it's a great, great series. I've heard a lot of people that really like that one. I haven't had a chance yeah. to watch it yet, but I also love to. only murders in the only murders in the building, which is uh Steve Martin and Martin short show and Celine Gomez. And, uh, they've been nominated with us on a bunch of things. And, uh, I've got to know the creators. I was actually on a panel with Steve Martin the other day, which was crazy. Wow. Um, wow. so like, you know, that that's a great show, too. Well, I love Dim and House Guest. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Frank, the great Frank Oz. Not a lot of people know Frank Oz right. directed that movie. But, uh, man, yeah. um, so as we wrap this up a little bit, can you tell us uh, how people can – they want to follow you. How do they do it on social media, Sterling? Are you out there? And I'm really on – I try to keep myself off of it, but I am on Instagram. Okay. And I try to just keep – info and I, you know I, as this show blew up uh i definitely retreated it got crazy um so but yeah you can follow me on there okay. and, I, and i'm not on facebook anymore okay. um I, I i do plan on uh continuing my podcast uh the cuts with sterling harjo so i'm gonna get that going again especially now that i have people coming into town i'm gonna interview some of the cast and some yeah, of the uh, creatives and things like that. So yeah, that's exciting. Um, so yeah, the cuts with Sterling Harjo on Instagram. We'll have to check it out. Uh, check it out. Keep an eye out for the cuts. There's been great uh, guests uh, beforehand. So if you want to uh, go back yeah. in the archives, check out the cuts with Sterling Harjo. You can do so. And then of course on Instagram, Sterling Harjo. Don't call him Sterling Harjo. He's not a yeah. silver. He is right. not a silver. He is a good man. So, um, Terry, you got anything else? Uh, not before today. I just Harjo really appreciate you and appreciate you for your storytelling. Yeah, thank you. Thank you all for having me. I'm excited yeah. to be the first one. 
the first one right out the gate, right out the gate. Well, Sterling, uh, we know your time is precious, uh, but uh, we're very thrilled, as we said, for you to carve out some of it for us here on the initial episode of the Muskogee Pod. And uh, maybe maybe we'll have you back for season three. How about that? Yeah, man. My pleasure. And um, we'll see you uh, around Alt Mulkey. You bet. Can't wait. Yeah. All right. Take care. Mm Mm-hmm. And we just want to thank Sterling again. What a great yeah. uh, guest and uh, some really great conversation. As we told you, we're gonna, this pod, this podcast, this Muskogee pod, if you will, is, is going to be must listen uh, content. We, we're, you're going to want to hear what we're talking about with people. Yeah, definitely. And, and we covered a vast array of topics with Sterling. So um, we might have to have him back on. Definitely. Know, towards definitely. The end and yeah. and uh, pull a few threads on that conversation after he's a, uh, you know, we don't want to keep him too busy. He yeah. told us yeah. not a lot of free time right now. I, I know where you're going with this. You're a bookworm. You <laughs> exactly. just want to get more book recommendations exactly. out that's of exa- him. Yeah, actually, that's when he brought happening. it up, I was like, oh, I'm so taken. I saw you fanning I know. Out. I was yeah. like, I got to find this on Amazon. <laughs> uh, I'm not much of a writer, so I need all the help I can get. Yeah, definitely. No, I mean, I know. And it, it's one of those things where anytime somebody like that, you know, and that's why I was like, what shows are you watching? What exactly. shows are you watching? And anytime they throw out a recommendation, uh, uh, you, you got to jump on it and know that it's, it's something that's probably worth your time. So, um, speaking of worth your time, uh, Anthony, we're doing all right over here. I mean, he's looking at his <laughs> we're watch. Getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> all right. Now. Yeah. He's keeping a close eye on us. Anthony's, uh, done a great job. Like I said, uh, producing on the board and getting this whole thing ready to rock. He's got the cave looking good. We've got the you know, the waffles up on the wall and we got the right. great equipment in here. So we're, we're rocking and rolling, man. Thanks for and the opportunity guys. Bet. And we, like I said, we've done some vigorous scheduling to, to just kind of rack our brains to see who's going to be people that we definitely want to talk to. And, yeah. and so uh, I don't want to give anything away just yet, but we've got some wonderful guests coming up on the Muskogee pod and, and hopefully uh, people will listen to this first episode and say, you know what? I got to put that on when I'm on the treadmill walking around the track or cooking dinner or what, whenever you listen to your podcast, out your there, wild onion, eating your wild onion dinners. <laughs> Hopefully they play us over the loudspeakers know, at the right? Methodist Everyone churches. You know, yeah, absolutely. At least Sterling. He's the best part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't worry about the first and the, the beginning and end, but get that middle. That's exactly. What, you want the peanut butter and jelly, not the bread. <laughs> All right. Well, Tara, that's going to probably wrap us up for our very first episode. Very well, exciting. Well, make sure everyone follows us, right? Yeah, so this is our first pause. Make, make sure you know uh, when the next us. one's coming out. Yeah, so absolutely. So we, we'll be, what, we're every two weeks, right? Yeah, yeah. we'll be every two weeks. So <laughs> Apple, uh, Spotify, yeah. anywhere you can find a podcast, look up the Muskogee Pod, M-U-S-C-O-G-E-E, for all you folks out there that still don't know how to spell it, right? Well, there's people there's over no there K. in Muskogee. Just remember, with there's a no K. K. Yeah, this is not right? a place, it's a pod. That's exactly right. Not a place, a pod <laughs> with Sterling Harjo. I want to thank everybody uh, for helping us out, making this a great first run, and we can't wait to see you on the next episode. Hey, go out there, follow us, tell your friends, tell your family. We got a can't-miss podcast out there and something you definitely want to be a part of the Muskogee pod here with Jason Salzman and, and Tara Branson Thomas Anthony Nieto on the board executive producer Kyle Lee we'll see you guys next time here as we have conversations on the reservation <laughs> <laughs>